Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Welcome to episode 21. I'm thrilled that you are with us, joining us again. This episode is all about travel. When it comes to creating an adventure in happiness, when it comes to expanding your view of the world, of people, of yourself, traveling is one of the best things that you can do. And yet, Many of us don't do it. We want to do it. We think it would be an amazing thing to do, but we look at it as a luxury that we just can't afford. And this episode is all about making travel easier, making you feel more comfortable, giving you some insider tips about how to book the flight, how to plan a trip, so that you become more comfortable. Because besides the financial commitment to travel, a lot of people are very intimidated when it comes to taking an adventure to a place that they've never been to before, especially if that place speaks another language. And this we have this financial myth again that if you don't have a lot of money, you can't travel. Well, that is not true, and today you are going to learn how to travel on a budget. And to teach us, we are speaking to the experts of experts. He is known as Nomadic Matt. For the past 10 years, he's been traveling the world, so he's a true nomad. He is the author of the New York Times bestselling book, How to Travel the World on $50 a Day. And his blog, nomadicmat.com, is just this plethora of resources from how to book the best flights and tips on every country that he's been to. I've already found it incredibly helpful. So you can check out that website and a little personal update so much has changed in just 21 episodes i have well we my fiance and i have decided to move to connecticut so yes so much is going on but so much good stuff so we are back on the east coast it's great to be close to family we just bought a house (gasps) it's so exciting and so much more work than i realized but overall a massive blessing. And even though now I have a mortgage and I'm settled in this home, I still want to feel like I can have that adventurous spirit. I still want to find a way to travel in a way that financially makes sense. And so I found this interview personally helpful. You'll hear me mention a trip that I was planning, and after the interview with Matt, I completely changed my approach, and I'm planning it in a whole different way, which I feel really good about. So hopefully you get as many aha moments as I did. And as always, if you do, if you love it, let me know. You can find me on Facebook. Reach out. Be friendly. I'd love to chat with you. And also share it with your friends. It's an act of love, so spread it around the world. Thanks again for tuning in and enjoy Matt. And uh, I just want to welcome you, Matt. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks, thanks for having me, Jessica. So as you know, the podcast is called Adventures in Happiness. And 
I don't think, you know, something that just brings people so much joy is traveling and you are an expert in that. So I'm excited to learn all about you, all about your tips. And I just want to start from the very beginning for people who were completely new to your work, to your adventures. How did you get started? Well, when I was younger, uh, I took a trip to Costa Rica, uh, 23. I was 23. And uh, I just loved it. It was my first big trip outside of the country by myself. And so I, I mean, I went with the tour and all, but I really loved how every day was different. You know, life on the road, it was just like, it was amazing. I was hiking and swimming with dolphins and swimming in the wild ocean, not in one of those stupid sea world things. Uh, you know, meeting people from around the world and I just fell in love with it all. So the following year I went to Thailand uh, with a friend of mine. And there I met a bunch of backpackers, and I had never really met backpackers before. And I was just really jealous of them. You know, they, they were just traveling the world, and I was flying halfway across it just for a two-week vacation. So inspired by them, I came home and quit my job. Uh, and then in July 2006, I went away for a year-long trip. Uh, but that year-long trip, turned into 18 months, and I've just been sort of on the road constantly since then. That's incredible. And and since then, through your blog, you've helped over 16 million people do the same. So what's definitely inspiring about your work is not just the adventures that you've taken, but the, the adventures that you've inspired. So when it comes to traveling, I think a lot of people want to travel. It seems like a really great dream, but you know, it's kind of put off, it's put off because of a few reasons. And I think the two biggest ones are money and time. So I want to start off with money. Someone's listening to this, they want to travel, but they think, you know, traveling is a luxury that I can't really afford. Well, it's because in the States, we don't really have a travel culture. People don't really go away for a long time. And while that's changing, I mean, it's definitely changed a lot. In the 10 years I've been doing this, um, it's not as widespread as in Europe, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, um, and other places around the world. We just don't get up and go. Um, and so when we think of travel, we tend to think of hotels, expensive flights, resorts. You know, we, we go a little bit higher end. You know, we're not really the backpackers and budget travelers of the world. As as a culture, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as a as widespread culture, and so people just make the assumption that to travel you must have a lot of money, um, but that's not necessarily true because there are many ways to save money through hosteling, so-called sharing economy now, Airbnb, not taking expensive tours, using public transportation. I mean, if you think about how you live your life every day, you're not spending a lot of money living your life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're not going out every day and just blowing through hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So why do you need to do the same when you travel? It's not like people in that destination are blowing through hundreds and hundreds of dollars every day. So if you travel like you live at home, you're going to travel to a destination like people do when they live there. 
<clears throat> you know, you're going to take public transportation and buy food at the markets and spend the day in the park and find the free museums and do all these things that locals do to save money in their destination. Right. Just follow the same path, you know. Yeah, and, it's such a it's a such a good point and I want to talk a bit more about this backpacking culture because you're right, it's something that's not really introduced into American culture. I went backpacking for 30 days in South America. I did um the north of Argentina and Bolivia and Peru and did the Inca Trail. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. But the only reason that I went on that trip was because I was living in Argentina for seven months simply because all of my family lives there. And I met uh, four guys from England who kind of opened my eyes to this way of traveling and just this idea of not just going to one destination and staying there, but really this, uh, this adventure that didn't cost a lot of money. So when you talk about backpacking culture and even some of the hostels you see, can you describe it to someone who really has not had any interaction, any experience with that? Yeah, you know, backpacking culture is a lot of people, um, ages usually eight, ages 18 to 35, um, traveling long-term around the world, looking to meet other people on the cheap, do, do you know, all the cool sites and activities on the cheap, and really sort of see the world. You know, people think of hostels as these, like, really dirty, grimy things. Uh, from like the 70s and because whenever we show them in the movies they're like dirty smelly college dorm looking type thingies right Mm -hmm. Um, but as people have gotten more used to technology and apps and and now this generation wants you know Wi-Fi and computers and really nice stuff Um, they don't want those smelly college dorm type accommodations. So hostels today are really nice. They have comfy beds. They have Wi-Fi. They organize activities. Most of them have bars. They offer breakfast. You can get your own private rooms with your private bathrooms. They're cleaned multiple times a day. They are really nice. I mean, of course, there are those really cheap, dirty, grimy, gross, disgusting hostels out there. But as an industry, they've really upscaled themselves. And there are a lot of luxurious hostels out there on par with three-star, four-star hotels. Mm-hmm. What's so great about the hostels I found is the people, the people that you meet that are traveling from all over the world, and everybody is so incredibly helpful. I mean, we changed so many of our plans because we got better information because we were at hostels. Yeah, you know, on-the-ground information is the best kind of information out there. Uh, whatever you find in a guidebook is probably years old between mm-hmm. the time it was written, edited, and printed, and maybe updated. Uh, blogs are great, um, but you know there's, that's still a time delay. Maybe that blog post was written four years ago. So I love you know talking to other travelers and even hostel staff because they deal with budget travelers all day every day. So they have a great sense of what's going on and like you said you know you talk to other travelers and they tell you actually no that train doesn't run anymore uh don't take it you're gonna get better information 
Right. You mentioned before when it comes to hostels that the age range you see is about, I think you said 18 to 35. What advice do you have for someone who is older than 35 who still feels like they want to go on an adventure and do it in an affordable fashion? Is there still a a place for them? Um, What tips do you have for those who think, well, my my time is long gone. I missed out. Hey, you know, I... It's funny you mentioned this because today my blog post is about a 72-year-old that's backpacking around the world. So it's not just the 18 to 35-year-olds. That's She's just the majority. She's 72. That's crazy. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, there's a woman who's 90 driving across the country right now. The U.S., I should say. Um, in case for all you non-U.S. listeners <laughs> out there. Um you know, that's just the majority age, 18 to 35. There are hostels with people of all ages in them. Uh, you get families, you get older couples. You know, it, it, it really depends on where you're going. Are you going to see 72-year-olds in a like party hostel? Probably not. They're going to be younger. Uh, but there are hostels for all ages out there. And, you know, when you look online at sites like Hostel World or Hostel Bookers, these booking sites for hostels, you really, you know, you can see what kind of hostel it is. If they're talking about their pub crawls and the reviews are mostly by people in that 18 to 30 range, it's a young person's hostel. Um, Otherwise, you know, if they talk about family events and how they don't serve booze, it's an all ages hostel. And many hostels actually put age restrictions on it. You know, they don't want 50 year olds hanging with the 18 year olds. Especially, this is especially true in Australia and New Zealand, uh, where they get a lot of long term uh, travelers who are staying in a hostel long term because they're working and they might, you know, they just don't want skeezy old guys coming through hitting on the 18 year old girls on their working holiday visa. Right, right. Okay, but what you're saying is that it is never too late and there are hostels, so it is possible to do this in an affordable fashion at any age. Definitely. Yeah, nice. So when it comes to traveling, another block I think people find is just pure intimidation. So they just feel intimidated to go someplace where they might not know the language, they're not you know, comfortable with the with the culture or just not familiar with the culture or the currency. So when someone says to you, Matt, I, I really would like to travel more, but I just I just get kind of scared. I, get, I feel a bit stuck um, because it feels intimidating. What advice do you have? You know, whenever I go to a new country, there's a part of me that goes, oh, my God, how am I going to figure this out? What am I going to do? How am I going to, like, survive? And then I land and I realized, oh, all my worry was for not. And so even experienced travelers often still have that moment of, ooh, am I going to make it? Uh, that sort of fear and intimidation. It never really goes away. You just realize that it's this thing your mind creates that is meaningless and you need to let go of. It's very zen-like in that way. But in the beginning, you don't have that experience. So a good way to sort of ease into it is maybe go with a tour group or start with countries that speak your own language. Mm. So if you're an English speaker, 
if you're an English speaker, can't speak my own language, <laughs> uh, go to like Australia, New Zealand, or England or Ireland. You know, go to Europe where English is widely spoken. Sort of ease into it. Mm-hmm. Maybe dropping yourself off in the the stands in Central Asia is not the best place to start for you. Right. Yeah, that's a great tip. I'm going to ask you a very basic but big question. Why travel? Why not travel? <laughs> um, we all like our things. This is just my thing. Uh, just stumble into it. You know, I'm sort of the accidental traveler. I. Uh, but what keeps you coming back? Like, what what makes you want to continue to travel? What is it about travel that you know that lights you up so much? I love meeting people from around the world. I love seeing the world. There's lots of cool stuff. And I just have that wanderlust gene. Um, <laughs> I got a gypsy soul, you know. There's been some interesting research done that people who travel tend to share this risk gene. Uh, so there's no like real travel gene, at least yet. I, I hope one day there is. Um, but we tend to have this risk gene, and risk, there's a risk in travel. So that sort of gets our adrenaline pumping. Right. Uh, so I love the idea of getting on a plane and exploring the unknown. You know, it, to me, that's, that's what makes life worth living. Right. But for some other people, it's like they, every day they wake up and they tend their garden. I just kill plants, but <laughs> I... Uh, you know, put me in a hostel and I'm a happy camper. Right. I was speaking to our mutual friend, Sam, and I know she met up with you. Was it in Thailand? Yeah. uh, Sam and Ryan. Yeah. And one of the things that I was just talking to Sam on the phone about it, and she said one of the greatest things about meeting up with you and one of the biggest things that she learned was just to not be scared to try to figure it out. That it's almost like there were some things that you could give, you gave her some tips, but the biggest thing you gave her was just that attitude of, well, let's just figure it out. Yeah, that's sort of how it goes, you know, but that's something you also learn too. You know, when I went traveling the first time, I had this intense plan, (laughs) right? And then I threw away the plan as I met people and got better information, uh, Decided I really hated a place and wanted to get out of there really quickly. Or I decided I really loved a place and never wanted to leave. You know, my first trip through Europe, I spent three months in Amsterdam. I met locals. I, you know, didn't want to leave. So after exploring other parts of Europe, I slightly overstayed my visa and just chilled in Amsterdam. Uh, I had a great time. I hated Bangkok actually and then I moved there and I loved Bangkok and now I can never rarely leave that place. I I miss it terribly. Um, So you learn over time that it's best to just not have a plan. It's good to have like guidelines kind of. Yeah like like a general sense of today I kind of want to do these couple of things and then just figure out the rest along the way. You know like today I'm in Sydney. And um, it's raining here. And I'm going to go see a few museums. Uh, They probably won't take me that long to go see. I'm going to leave right after this interview. Uh, So I'll be done, like, after lunch. 
I have no idea what I'm going to do the rest of the day. Probably, you know, probably sit in a cafe and read a book. Who knows? I have no idea. Um, definitely probably eat some good food. Uh, I just find a place that's pay as you pay as you want. So I can get as much food as I want and decide how much I want to pay. I love those places. Um, but, you know, maybe I don't go there because I'm too lazy to go to the other side of town. Just kind of fill it in along the way. Right. And that allows the serendipity of travel to happen. Because the most fun is when you just let life happen. And then you stumble across that cool cafe um, that I might spend my day in or that restaurant or maybe I like walk past like some art museum I didn't know exists, and I have the time to go in it. And when people have these rigid plans, you can't let that happen. Right. Now, some people do have some more time restraints. So if someone's taking a trip and say they have six days somewhere, can they still leave room to have that type of spirit? You know, should they still have time to just, uh, you know, can you almost schedule that kind of uh going with the flow type of thing with, with a shorter trip? Yeah, you know, I understand people's desire to want to see it all when you just have two weeks mm-hmm. um, or a week. You know, I get itineraries all the time. Matt, I'm going to Europe for five days. I want to go to Paris, Berlin, and London. Do, can I fit another city in there? It's like, no, you can't even fit the first three in there. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, less is more when you travel. So I would say that realizing you'll never see it all is the first step to realizing that when you travel, just pick a place and see it deeply. Because if you're spending all your time in buses and trains and planes, you're going to get really stressed out. And you're not really going to see anything to begin with. Mm. Um, So don't try to see it all. And the more you try to rush, the higher your costs are going to be. If you can just plant yourself in one or two places, uh, you're going to lower your costs because you're not going to be moving around as much. The more you move around, the higher your costs. So I would say that, you know, don't try to see it all. Just, just go to London for a week and see London and the surrounds. Um, come back. You know, or... Take smaller trips closer to where you are. We always think of travel as like, I have to get on a plane to go somewhere. But if you only get you know, that long weekend or four days or whatever, go somewhere that's close to you. Travel does not have to be halfway around the world. It is simply going to a place you've never been. Right. Oh, man, you're, you are telling me exactly what I need to hear. I'm in the midst of planning a trip for July. Um, We're going to Spain, but I want to see if I can do like, I want to do Paris, Barcelona, and Rome, and I want to do it all in one trip. And uh, I'm realizing, you know, because you feel like, oh, well, now I have this time, so let me do as much as I can. I think that's people's first instinct to like cram everything in. So what a great piece of advice of just you don't really get to experience even those three places if you don't give yourself enough time. Yeah, you know, you, you really just don't. See, like, I never get why people try to see so much in so little time. 
And, oh, I think uh, I think it comes from a sense of of feeling like maybe your regular life has more restrictions. So when you have the time to travel, you know, you want to be able to kind of get as much in as you can. Um, but I also think what we also are thinking in such a limited, like me thinking about doing those three cities is because I'm planning out like the next two years and I feel limited with my time instead of coming from a place of just a bit more abundance and faith that I can plan one trip at a time that it's not like now or never, but traveling really is a lifestyle. Right. You know, and, and especially for people like me who have plenty of time to travel, um, mostly because it's my job, but also because I made it a lifestyle. But, you know, I, I definitely guess what you're saying. You know, if, if you know for, for the next five years you're going to be at one job, you're probably going to take that planning attitude into your travels. Um, but then it's not as fun. So internet land out there, don't, don't worry about it. You're not going to see it at all. Book, a, book one trip. Go deeper, don't go wider. I love that. Go deeper, don't go wider. Well, I have to ask you this because I just the, I think it's the topic that most people are interested in. And again, it's travel and finances. You've already given us a great tip, just this idea of we have this, this idea that when we travel, it has to be luxury, but there are ways to do things uh, more ch- cheaply. And one is hostile. Do you have any tips when it comes to travel, whether that's flights or traveling within a country? Well, for flights, I mean, that's usually one of the big expenses. Mm. Um, And I would say just be flexible. There are a lot of tips you can do. uh, Lots listed on my website. Um, But I would say the biggest thing you could do is really just be flexible, whether it is where you are going or when you are going. Because... The difference of a day can be the difference of hundreds of dollars. And, you know, airlines run sales all the time. It just might not be to the place you want to go right now. So go somewhere else. If cost is such an important factor to you, you know, if you can't afford that $1,000 flight to Europe, you, your budget is $500, find out where the $500 flights are and go there. Uh, you can use google.com backslash flights, enter in your home city, and just type in everywhere. And Google will literally show you every airport in the world and the, the flight prices on a giant map. You can just click around to find the place you want to go. Oh, I love that. That's great. So, Matt, you've traveled to so many countries. Past, it's been seven years, right? That right. you've been nomadic. No, no, it's been uh, 10 years. 10 years. Okay, so it's been yeah. 10 years. You've been on the road, so you're meeting a lot of people from a lot of different cultures. As you travel the world, have you learned anything about what connects us as humans? So, you know, we you're meeting people from different cultures, but overall, have you found something that connects all of us or something about just the human race that has surprised you when you're meeting so many different people? Yeah, you know, uh, this is going to sound super cliched, um, but it's really that we're all really the same. Uh, You know, people around the world are getting up and doing the same thing you are. And that may sound boring, but what makes travel interesting is everybody does it a different way. So, I mean, we're having this Skype interview right now. 
Somewhere else, people are doing the same thing. It's morning right now in Sydney. People are waking up, putting their kids to school, and going off to work. People are then coming commuting home. There is a, you know, a pattern to life around the world. It's all the same. And just how we do it is different. Right. And that's why I think makes travel interesting. Because you know, how, how people behave in Sydney is really different than how people behave in New York City. People start going home at 3.30, 4 o'clock here. People where I live in New York City don't go home till like 8. Mm-hmm. Uh, people take really long lunches. They drink wine with lunch. You know, uh, in, in Spain, they take the middle of the day off to take a nap. Everyone's different, but everyone is really the same. They all want the same things. They all want to be happy. They want their kids to have a better future. They worry about getting fat. They worry about eating unhealthy, lack of sleep, same stuff. Right. That's great. And just even knowing that we're not so different, it makes traveling a lot less intimidating because it's not like we're going, you know, when we realize we're more alike than we are different, then it doesn't seem so foreign after all. Right. Uh, we're, not, we're not going to Mars. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Matt, what's cool about your blog is that obviously you have a lot of tips. You share a lot of your personal experiences, but you have a lot of stories about other people who've been inspired by your work and have taken their own adventures. This might be a difficult question, but is there a story that really stands out as a favorite? Someone who followed your blog, decided to start traveling, and, and the, their experience? Yeah, you know, I really like the story of this guy, Michael. Uh, I featured him on the blog, I don't know, maybe three years ago now. And he was a line cook uh, at some place in Texas. Um, I don't really remember. Uh, But he made minimum wage and he still managed to save $14,000. And he used that uh, to fund his initial trip. He planned to work overseas, which is a lot easier than you think. And... um, I thought that was really great because there's always the assumption that, oh, well, you need money. You know, only if you have a really great job, I make minimum wage, I can't do this. And while, yeah, you know, not everyone can replicate his experience, but he shows that even if you make minimum wage with the right tenacity, a lot of savings and trying to work like 60 hours a week, you can still save money to go travel. And you don't need like $30,000 to go. You can just go with, you know, 10 or 14,000 or just enough for that plane ticket to get you there, find work and then keep going. Right. That's great. Can you tell us about your foundation? Yes, it's uh, called Flight, the Foundation for Learning Youth Travel Education, which is a lot of words, which is why <laughs> we use the acronym Flight. It's sort of a play on words, you know, take flight, get it, ha <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, And so what we do is we raise money for schools around the country, uh, high schools around the country to send rural and impoverished schools and students on overseas trips. So the idea being is that most of the funding for this kind of stuff is for big cities. San Francisco, New York, Chicago, D.C., Miami, blah, blah, blah. Nobody ever cares about the kids in Nebraska or Alaska or rural Alabama. 
And so Flight is designed for teachers from around the country to apply for funding. Uh, and if they meet our funding requirements and the board approves them, they get funding. No matter where they're from or what, where they want to go. We just will cut the checks. Uh, so if, you, if you're a teacher in Nebraska teaching environmental science and you want to go to Peru, you get funding. If you are a teacher in the Bronx doing art history and you want to go to Italy, you get funding. It's not restrictive on, in that nature, which makes it different than other places right? and organizations. And for those who have been funded and have had that experience, what has been some of the, you know, the, the takeaway from, from that, that adventure, that ability to travel there? I wish I could tell you. Um, our first trip doesn't leave for two weeks. Okay. So um, we just started, uh, and we funded our first trip, and they leave. It's a, it's a school from Atlanta, um, and they leave uh, end of March sometime. I don't have the exact date on me. Yeah, they're going to Mexico for a week. And uh, so that should be fun. I look forward to seeing their videos and blogs because we make them sort of report about the trip along the way. And then we've just funded a second school for the summertime from Florida. Uh, it's an environmental science No, sorry. It's a Spanish class, and they're going to Cuba. Um, so that should be interesting. That, wait, so is it just, is it the whole class or is it the teacher who goes and then reports back? The teacher and the students. Oh, that's amazing. I thought so, it was just the teacher. No, no, no. It's uh, the students too. Uh, so the kids go. So it's 10 kids going to um, Mexico. Uh, we haven't worked out the final details for the secondary summer program. And why was this something that you felt was important to start? Well, you know, there is a privilege to travel, um, and it's something that not a lot of people get to have. And so I wanted a way for the website, which is, you know, pretty big, and the community to have sort of like a charitable arm where we sort of gave back. You know, we have seen the, the transformative nature of travel, and I wanted to give that experience to people who couldn't have it because once you realize travel is in is possible and you can do it and it's life-changing you're going to break down that illusion that travel is only for the well-to-do with time on their hands and it has to be expensive right um and so you you know you start somebody off young they're going to carry that idea that travel is affordable throughout their entire life and they're going to travel more they're going to share that experience with their friends. And eventually you're going to break down and destroy the myth that travel is expensive. Yeah, I love that. So I have a few questions that I ask everyone. Actually, before I do that, I just have two random – they're not that random questions, but I have to ask you, where is the best ice cream you've ever had in the world? Because I personally would love to know. Ah, well, I would love to tell you, but I don't eat ice cream. You don't eat ice cream. All right. Chocolate? Wine? Uh, wine, I'm partial to French wines and from the Bordeaux region, uh, just because I really like uh, their, the body to them, but the, the Malbecs in 
Mendoza, Argentina were also really good too. Uh, chocolate, I'm going to go with Belgium here. Okay. <laughs> That's a bit obvious, but it's good to know that someone who's actually gone and tried chocolate all over the world still thinks it's the best. Not a huge chocolate person either. Um, the Swiss have really good chocolate, but I like Belgium a little bit more. Nice. All right. And um, what is... Uh, see, this is such a hard question for you, but if you had to pick, I'm going to actually, I, I sometimes ask people the, their favorite destination in the world. I feel like that's going to be an impossible question for you. But do you have, say, a favorite city in Europe and a favorite city in South America? Yeah, um, I would say my favorite city in Europe is Paris because I'm a cliche and it's <laughs> the best city in the world. Um, great music, wine, food. Just so much culture. In South America, I really like Santiago. Nice. But I haven't been to a lot of parts in South America, but from where I've been, Santiago, Chile is an amazing place. Wonderful. And, okay, this is uh, the last question that I like to ask everybody. If you could be any kind of animal, what would you be and why? If I could be any kind of animal, what would I be and why? I'd be a honey badger because they're really just badass. <laughs> See, I guess I guess that you would do like something with wings. A honey badger. You can do a honey, honey badger, badger with wings. There's I love that little viral video of them. I want to be a honey badger. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, Matt, where I've been talking about your blog this whole time, but can you share uh, that the uh, the domain name the how do you call it? Can you just share your website and where people can learn more about you? Yes, yeah, so my website is nomadicmat.com, N-O-M-A-D-I-C-M-A-T-T. And you can find me on any social media website as Nomadic Matt. So like twitter.com backslash Nomadic Matt, Instagram backslash Nomadic Matt, just pretty much everything Nomadic Matt. And, uh, and flight is takeflight.org. F-L-Y-T-E. Wonderful. Well, thank you for encouraging us to to go on more adventures. This has been really eye-opening, and thanks for taking the time. I know it's really early there in Australia, so I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. I was up anyway. You know, get up early, see the world, all that kind of jazz. Love it. Well, thanks again, Matt. Thanks for having me.